This episode is sponsored by ByHeart. And I feel like I need to preface what I'm going to say with this. I'm a huge advocate of breastfeeding. Anyone who knows me well knows that nursing is something I believe in. And all five of our biological children were breastfed until they were 19 to 23 months old. However, we also have fostered and adopted, and I've been so grateful for formula companies in those situations. I'm also grateful for formula companies because our last two biological children, I really struggled with my supply and did all the things, spent so much time and effort, and just was never able to produce enough for them to be able to gain weight and not be hungry. And so I was so grateful for companies like Byheart. Byheart is an infant nutrition company built from the ground up to deliver real innovation on behalf of babies and parents. Their mission is simple, make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, Byheart created a clinically proven, easy to digest infant formula that's made with organic, grass-fed whole milk, certified clean ingredients, and features a patented protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. They're made with certified clean ingredients. It has no soy, corn syrup, GMOs, or palm oil. Curious about Byheart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com forward slash podcast with code crystal for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. So go to byheart.com forward slash podcast and use crystal to get your welcome offer. Welcome to the Crystal Pain Show, where we help you embrace your life right where you are and give you practical steps to get to where you want to go. Now, let's get a cup of tea and spend a few minutes together. Here's your host, wife, mother of three, and entrepreneur, Crystal Payne. Welcome to another episode of the Crystal Pain Show. Last week, we told you that we were headed to Atlanta and we had the best time in Atlanta. We actually went to Sweetwater, Sweetwater Creek State Park. And so we went there and it was a really cool state park. It was really cool. We were so impressed and it was far beyond our expectations. Mm-hmm. It was $5 to park and they had lots of different trails. But then when you took this one trail, I think it was the red trail to the this old mill there was this water area. I don't know what you would even call creek. it. It was a, well, but it wasn't this like what you think of as a creek. Right. I, well, it, it's like the size of a river almost. And it had all these little basin type things in it because it had all these rocks and it was like flat rocks and then little areas where you could swim in and then kind of some running water, like some white water. Yeah, so it was just all this variety. But typically, if there would be a whitewater type of creek, is that what they would call it? Like if you were going to go whitewater rafting? Okay, river, that's okay. And so there were little spaces where it would kind of have the little rapids, but then it would then there would be a rock. There, I were, some, there were some places that were flowing more swiftly than others. As you discovered. As I discovered. <laughs> I didn't get to see it go down. <laughs> You didn't get to see me go down, you mean? <laughs> yes, but apparently you yeah. went down quite hard. Grace, well, and quite gracefully. So everybody mostly got out in the water, even though we hadn't brought our suits. We weren't no, expecting was, the, to get the, in the water. The water was about knee deep as, mm-hmm. as you're walking across, and you had to 
kind of hold on to the rocks a little bit. Now, the rocks, they had like these weird striations on them. So that they almost looked like wood grain, like mm-hmm. it was petrified wood. But I guess it wasn't petrified wood. It just looked that way. And it was really cool. But So if you're ever in the Atlanta area, we highly recommend checking out Sweetwater Creek State Park. Very worth your time. And our kids, they didn't want to leave. And they said, this is like a water park, only so much better. And it was like a natural water park. So we did that during the day. And then we went to the Royals game or the Braves game Um, that evening. The Royals won, by the way, all you Braves fans. It was quite the victory. Although we did feel a a little weird walking into the stadium with well, you probably. Didn't. I wasn't. I felt self conscious. There was a ton of Royals fans in there. Comparatively, oh, of compared course, compared to how speaking, many Braves yeah. fans there were who were all decked out, thousands mm-hmm. and thousands. Oh, it was be- a beautiful stadium. I don't though. know how many that stadium seats, but it was a beautiful stadium, massive, and we had the greatest time. Except for we realized that in Atlanta, if you're going to get someplace. I think you just need to automatically add on you an hour a, and a half. You, you leave about a day early. <laughs> because we thought that we were leaving plenty early mm-hmm. and it was not plenty early, but we had a great time anyway. And then we came back home and we prepped for our big event on Saturday, which was my blog coaching group. I invited all of them, whoever could come, to come to our house. And so about, I think it was 34 people ended up coming from all over the country. They flew and drove in. It was pretty humbling that so many people would make so many sacrifices to come to this event. And we got to not only just meet one another face-to-face, which is always really cool when you've kind of known each other online, but to get to meet face-to-face. And then we spent the bulk of the day talking about our goals and everybody breaking into small groups and really drilling down into each individual person's goals and everyone giving a lot of input into that. And then by the end of the day, we had kind of worked through this series of questions and working with your small groups. So then at the end of the day, everyone went around and shared their six-month goal for the next six months. So one goal for the next six months. And that was just a really cool experience to get to hear every single one of the 34 people stand up and share their goal. And then to know that we get to go back home and everyone is going to be keeping each other accountable for that. Well, one thing that I saw that from a distance that I appreciated was the breakout sessions and the fact you didn't have to be in those breakout sessions mm-hmm. and that they were carried by each person that was in there and that they took the bull by the horns and really took advantage of the opportunity to network and to process through what they needed to process through. Switching gears. It's time to talk about what's saving our life. That's the part of the show where we share with you something that's making our life better, easier, or more enjoyable. So, Jesse, what's saving your life? As a uh, continuation of my theme of phone applications that are uh, I find very helpful for my daily life, I have used an app for, boy, seven, eight years I've used this app, and I use it daily. It's from a company called Appigo, A-P-P-I-G-O, and they have an app that you can have on your computer as well as on your phone, and it all syncs up, just like the YNAB app that, that we've talked about. 
this actually helps house your to-do lists and you can create lists, you can create tasks, you can create projects that have the subtasks underneath it and assign dates and due dates and start dates. And you can actually, if you have a team, you can assign tasks to people. So we'll link to that in the show notes. And what I'm bringing for what's saving my life is my electric tea kettle. And I say my, because you actually did buy it specifically for me, mm-hmm. although it's become a family oh, tea kettle yeah. because we get so much use out of this tea kettle. You fill it up with water, you turn it on. And mm-hmm. then as soon as it gets to boiling, it turns off and um, it goes, it boils very quickly, very quickly. and mm-hmm. it's just so much easier I feel like then messing with trying to boil water on the stove and you can just pour it straight from there. And I think it's a lot faster than on the stove. The other thing about not having to mess with the stove is that if you boil water on the stove, it's not going to automatically shut off. So the electric tea kettle, um, I went to look what brand it was and I don't know how to pronounce it, but it's, I think, Bonavita. I looked on Amazon. I couldn't find the exact one that we had, but I found one that was very similar. So we'll link that in the show notes. You initially got it for me, I think three or four years ago. And I think you just picked it up from Walmart. I got it from Walmart. Mm -hmm. So this is maybe a little bit fancier version of the one that we have, or just a more updated version is what it kind of looked like. I think because I looked at Walmart for the same thing and I don't think they have it anymore. So we'll make sure to link to that in the show notes. Let's talk about what books we're reading. Well, I know I finished off my fiction book that I was reading, the Brad Thor book. I started yesterday a real estate book uh, called uh, The E-Myth Real Estate Investor. So I really like the E-Myth series of books, read the E-Myth and the E-Myth Revisited. And then they had, he came out with some specialty books, uh, Michael Gerber did, uh, and one of those was the E-Myth Attorney. And so I read that and it really helped my practice. And then I found this one that was the E-Myth Real Estate Investor. So I decided to pick it up and read it. My book is actually a fiction book, Jesse. Oh, wow. I know. I know. I was like, I'm going to bring a fiction book this week. Um, it's called The Last Christmas in Paris. It is not about Christmas. I mean, it is, but it's not like a holiday book. Mm-hmm. themed book. Um, it's the story of two people who started out as just friends and wrote letters through World War One, and then ended up becoming, like falling in love and getting oh, married. Okay. Um, but it really tells a lot of history of World War One, which I am very familiar with World War Two history because I've read mm-hmm. a lot of books from World War Two, but I'm not as familiar with World War One. So I found it very interesting. Mm-hmm. I would say now some people have said that it is similar to the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Society. And if you like that book, yes. you're going to really uh-huh. enjoy this book. I still liked Guernsey a lot better. And I don't know, I felt like maybe the character development of Guernsey was a little bit stronger or the fact that there were more characters that gave it a little bit more life. This book is an, um, how do you say it? Epistolary. Is that the right word? It's epistolary novel. <laughs> wow. I'm impressed. No big word. I'm sure I'm saying that wrong. Whatever it is, it is the thing where there are letters written back. It's it's written in letter form. Uh-huh. And just like Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Society was. And so, so multiple people have recommended it to me because I said that I really like that form of mm-hmm. fiction novel. So I 
I gave it my verdict for it was three stars just because I felt like that the character development could have been a little bit richer. It took me a while to really get drawn into it. And I also felt like I had kind of figured out the plot line and it followed along with pretty much what I thought the plot line was going to be. So it Mm -hmm. just, there weren't, there were a few twists and turns, but it wasn't as, I guess I felt like with Guernsey, you, you, once you had read a while, you kind of just, you wanted to really keep reading and you couldn't stop reading. And this was one of those books that I feel like I wanted to finish it, but I wasn't like, stop everything else in my life. I'm going to finish this book. So, but still, it was still a good read and especially for historical fiction. And it was really fascinating to read how they wrote it because there were two authors that wrote it and they actually had it met in person. Um, so they, they live in different continents and they wrote it, they wrote it kind of in the same way that the book was written in the sense of that one would write one letter and then the one would write a letter back. And that's kind of how they did it. And then they ended up, obviously there were a lot of edits and stuff, but that's how the book was actually formed the bones of the book. So I thought that that was a really cool and creative idea. And they ended up, getting to meet, um, in real life and said, you know, it was like, they thought that they were just exactly like they expected the other person to be. But I thought that that was kind of gave it an interesting twist that I didn't know until I got to the end of the book and read Mm. the behind the scenes of Mm. the book. So again, that was called the last Christmas in Paris. And we will link to that in the show notes. Today, we want to tackle a really practical topic. Like we mentioned early, we're going to talk about how we plan our days. And Jesse and I, if you have not figured out, have very different personalities. So how we approach planning our days looks very different. And we thought it just might be interesting and insightful and hopefully in some way inspiring to you especially as we go into, you know, August where a lot of us are kind of getting back into the swing of things, kind of back to school, back to a normal rhythm and groove. And I know a lot of us are thinking about kind of maybe making some adjustments to our schedule and how Mm -hmm. we plan our days. But before we talk about that, I wanted to read this email that I got, that I got permission to read. Um, The person who sent it asked if I would not share her name, but it was really powerful. And it's talking about last week's episode about the lies we believed. So if you listened to last week's episode, I just wanted to share this as kind of a follow-up. And if you didn't listen to last week's episode, I really encourage you to go back and listen to it. It was um, just an episode that really shares our heart. And if we were sitting over coffee, what I would just love to be able to say to each and every one of you. So this letter says, thank you for the podcast about the lies we believed. I cried when I heard it. I started thinking about how sometimes we have heard material and we know the scripture and sometimes know the answers, but we haven't internalized it, haven't taken hold of it, don't own it as ours. I realized I need to do that for me and for my kids. Wait, I thought, what do my kids think about themselves? I asked them what thoughts they had about themselves. It was surprising and revealing, and I realized the need to teach kids what God says about them, not just teach them the truth, but somehow to internalize it, to replace those bad thoughts with good truth thoughts. We talked about the lies they were telling themselves, and we went over scripture truth that they can replace those thoughts with. 
I realized that so many problems occur for children and adults because of a wrong self-image, because we look to others for approval or to our accomplishments for a sense of self-worth instead of looking to what God says about us. And so I just want to share this with you and um, also wanted to mention that a lot of you ask if there was a book or some sort of resource that had been really helpful. And I wanted to mention the book Love Idol by Jennifer Dukes Lee. That is a book that I read a number of years ago, but that really kind of was when I was in the very initial part of my journey of just figuring out what it looked like to believe that I was loved. And she talks all about how we're pre-approved and that we don't need to be seeking after the approval of others. So get a copy of that book if you can, because I think it will really encourage you if last week's episode resonated with you. Okay. Let's talk about how we plan our day. And Jesse, I'm going to let you take it away first. Okay. Well, I think this is really good, especially with the new season starting with trying to get everything back on track. (laughs) So how we plan our day honestly has not been the same through the summer as it's going to be throughout the school year. So I had mentioned about my to-do list app that I love. Um, I have a lot of repeating tasks on that app. So from day to day, uh, things that I want to get done, I mark them as, as repeated tasks. And so when I mark them complete on the previous day, they move over to the current day. So what I tend to do, use that in coinciding with the Michael Hyatt journal that I have is go through that list of things that I have to do for today, as well as what's on my calendar, my Google calendar that we have shared and assign those a time of the day and then assign the tasks as well, a certain time for the day, and then just do the next thing. You're using both the full focus planner plus your to-do app. Correct. And so is there- Plus my Google calendar. Plus your Google calendar. So in my simplistic mind, I feel like that's a lot of, like, how are you not duplicating? Not like, duplicating. Is, is there the same thing on the full focus planner as there is on the to-do yes. app as that there is I, on Google calendar? Yeah, yes. The appointments are on the Google calendar and I transpose- a lot of the t- tasks into the full focus planner. That way I don't have to be so dependent on my phone Okay. and mark them off on the, on the planner. And then when I put them in the planner, also assign those times. I don't put necessarily the times on the Google calendar so that they would be on my phone. Cause I just don't look at it very much throughout the day. Okay. So it's interesting because as you're sharing this, I, we actually haven't talked about how you plan or how I plan. I think you have a general idea of how Mm -hmm. I plan because mine has kind of been the same for a long time, Mm -hmm. but ours is actually very similar except for mine is just a little simpler because I try to keep things as minimalistic Mm -hmm. as possible. Although one thing I'm going to talk about is not super minimalist, but hang tight. So first off, I use Google calendar as my brain dumping place and I know there's so many different apps and so many different types of online programs you can use. But for me personally, I've used Google Calendar for a long time. It syncs with my phone. It syncs with my computer. It syncs with Gmail, which is what I really run my business off of. So it just makes sense for me to use Google Calendar. I 
put things in as all day events unless they have a, a specific time. So unless it's an appointment or a phone call or something that's mm-hmm. happening at a specific time, most of my daily tasks are something that just needs to be done that day or that and the, I want. And those aren't repeated events, right? They're not things that you want to do each day and be reminded of. I do have some repeating events, some things like every Monday I send out this email to my mastermind list. Right, but not like every single day. I don't have any daily repeating tasks unless it's something for a short term. Mm -hmm. Like for a short term, I am for these this two week period, I'm doing something and I want series and I want to remember Mm -hmm. that every day I'm supposed to do something for Mm -hmm. that. But otherwise Every day has a pretty different list of tasks. And I don't put things on there like the normal, you know, take my vitamins or exercise or take a shower. You know, I'm not putting those types of things. It's Mm -hmm. only the extra things. And so sometimes if I'm developing a new habit, like I talked about, I might put it on there for two or three weeks as a reminder. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's say that I, you know, when I wanted to start doing Instagram stories back in the day, like putting that reminder that, remember, you're supposed to do Instagram stories. Or I just recently started sending out a daily hot deals email that I talked about on an earlier podcast. And so I put a reminder on there until it became a habit. So Mm -hmm. I will do that. But I put it as an all-day task. And then um, anything that comes to my mind, whether it's, oh, I need to buy something buy a gift for something or, you know, we're going to the lake next week. So I need to remember that we need to bring beach towels and I am bringing these food items and I need to remember to pack this. And, um, I'm working on this project at work. And so I want to make sure that I, you know, have that taken care of. And I need to contact this person about this. And I need to remember to tell this person this, I put everything. It's like, Mm -hmm. I just brain dump everything as it comes to my mind. If I can't take care of it right then I put it as an all day task. And if it doesn't need to be done that day, then I'll put it on whatever day, like if it needs to be done in three days, I'll put it in two days so that I'm always making sure that I'm being reminded before it's actually due. Mm -hmm. I'm being reminded that I'm supposed to get it done. Do you have reminders set up for all those um, tasks that you've created as all day events? I do not have reminders. Um, So then what I do is before I go to bed at night, I write out in with you know, handwritten time block to-do list, because I found there's something for me about having it written out by hand. Mm -hmm. It takes a little bit of time to go through and look at, okay, what are all the tasks that I have on the next day, the all day task, plus what didn't I get done Mm -hmm. today? And then I make a time block to-do list and it literally will say every time of the day. Now I try to have two to three hours that are just completely open Mm -hmm. because I need some wiggle room, need some breathing space. You want that margin time so that when something unexpected comes up, as it pretty much does every single day, I have the wiggle room in there. But then also if there's any, any task or appointment that has a specific time, I'll make sure that it gets 
put in there at that specific time. And this just really helps me because then I'm not having to think, what am I supposed to do next? Mm -hmm. Or there's 10 different things that need to be done. Which one should I do? And kind of, I feel like that wastes time and energy trying to figure out what you're going to do next. You just look at the list and you just do the next thing on the list. Mm -hmm. Now, the thing that I said that wasn't super minimalist that I do is I often rewrite the list halfway through the day. And that might sound like a lot of extra work, kind of like I look at you and say, okay, why are you putting it on an app and on paper and on Google Calendar? But that's what works for you. Mm -hmm. And for me, sitting down halfway through the day, maybe when I'm starting to feel like I'm somewhat behind, some things have come up, um, some unexpected extra tasks have come up, I've gotten more emails than I expected or whatever sitting down and rewriting the list for the rest of the day. So it kind of gives me some clarity, gives me some focus and helps me to kind of reorganize things. And I thought it was really crazy for doing this and kind of was embarrassed to tell anyone until I read Cal Newport's book that has gotten so much acclaim, Deep Work. And he actually talks about, he recommends doing that in his book. And he talks about how you could do this three times in a day Mm -hmm. if you need to. And so it made me feel a lot more justified. Like, oh, I'm not crazy. This is actually a practice that can be really worthwhile. And it is so helpful to me. It's kind of like stop, regroup, and then go again. Well, because something might come up during the day that you you need to add to your list. And Mm -hmm. then you don't have all these different things going through your head that, oh, when am I going to fit this in? You actually are intentional about putting it in the time slot in your day. Well, and a lot of times what will happen is some unexpected kind of urgent things will come up. I need to handle some situation with an advertiser or there's something going on where it's like, it can't wait. Mm -hmm. And then if I regroup halfway through the day, then I'm able to look and say, okay, what do I have to get done before five o'clock? Okay. We're going to put those as priorities and Mm -hmm. I'm going to make those the first few things. And hopefully I'm going to get to some of the things that aren't have to do's, but if I don't get to all the things, I can just put them on tomorrow. Like the, and so the other thing about this is it really helps me to prioritize the most important things. So when I'm time blocking the to do list, I'm saying, okay, you know, the first five or seven things that are on my to do list, those are the most important things. Those are my big rocks for the day that need to be done. And so then if I don't get to everything on the list, I know that at least I got the most important things done. It helps me prioritize. I just feel like it saves me so much energy. Even though it takes time and effort to really sit down and write out a time block to-do list and then to rewrite it halfway through the day, it saves me so much time and it helps me to stay so much more focused Mm -hmm. and I feel like I'm so much more efficient, which then allows me to not go through my day feeling stressed that... I have so much to do and I don't know how I'm going to get it all done. When are you going to get this done? The other thing about it that I feel like is super beneficial is that sitting down the night before and writing it out means that when I start my day, I have a plan. When I get up in the morning, I have a plan and I'm not just kind of chasing my tail and letting things just hit me and trying to figure out halfway through the day, oh, what was I going to do today? Mm -hmm. The third reason I feel like it's so beneficial is because it allows me to look at my day and not over plan mm-hmm. or not overestimate. Now, I tend to be fairly ambitious, but knowing that, oh, I'm putting times on these things, well, there's no right. way I can write a blog post in 15 minutes. So something else is going to have to give. So as I'm writing out my list for the next day, 
I, a lot of times will bump things to a later day that aren't priorities because I'll realize I don't have enough time to do the things that I would right. think, you know, if I was just writing out a regular to-do list, I would put way too much on there. Mm-hmm. But when I actually write times next to it that are realistic times, I realize, oh, I'm not going to be able to do all the things. And so I'm going to do right. the most important things. And then when you start your day, you're not feeling overwhelmed because you're like, I have a plan for today. I have times set aside and I just work the plan mm-hmm. and I also have margin in there. So I can get done what needs to be done today. And the key to that is realistic times because, Mm -hmm. and what I've run into in assigning times to tasks is not allowing enough time to complete a certain task. And that just creates frustration. And I think if people are first starting out with this, you know, I've talked about time block to-do list before and people will say, well, I made a time block to-do list and I'm so overwhelmed because it didn't go at all as I planned. If you're new to this sort of thing, I think the best thing, you know, start with three things, mm-hmm. you know, say for the first three hours of the day, I'm going to do this for the next three hours. I'm going to do this for the next three hours. I'm going to do this. And then I'm done for mm-hmm. the day. Start simple yep. and then just continue to add a little bit more and a little bit more until it feels like, okay, this is a good groove that I'm in and this is doable. And I think the more that you do this, the better you get at knowing how much time something is realistically going to take you. Mm-hmm. I, I remember I, I heard something growing up. This was related to car mechanic works, but uh, if you have something that you're needing to complete and you have a certain time period that you think it's going to take, multiply that by three and that's more realistic. Yes. Typically it takes longer than you think. And the deal is, is that if you get done early, you have a little free time. And so for me, I always challenge myself, let's see if I can get done before the time block is up because then I can do whatever I Mm -hmm. want until the next time block. I was going to mention that I actually have a PDF that I put together that kind of outlines how this works for me. And this was done back in 2016, but most of it is still all valid and the the planning and how I plan is still 100% exactly how I do it. And so if you are interested, you can download that for free. If you go to crystalpain.com forward slash calendar, and we'll put the link to that in the show notes. As always, if you have any question on any topic you'd love for Jesse and I to answer on a future episode, or you just have feedback or suggestions, or you'd love for us to change something or do something different, we love to hear from you. We love your emails. And so you can send an email to crystal at moneysavingmom.com. Thank you so much for joining us on today's episode of the Crystal Pain Show. Have a great week. And remember, you can't always choose your circumstances, but you can always choose your attitude. Thank you for joining us today. For more great resources, please visit crystalpain.com. 